Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, April 6th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Federal Paycheck Protection Program is extending its second draw loan window. We hear from the Bankers Association on where the aid is going. Then, in recognition of National Child Abuse Awareness Month, we examine the roots of the issue and how Mississippians can help. Plus, faith leaders respond to the new Georgia voting laws and comments made by a Mississippi senator. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi businesses still struggling because of the coronavirus pandemic are getting an extension to apply for loans through the Paycheck Protection Program. The program subsidizes businesses that have lost revenue because of the pandemic, and if applicants provide proof that revenue was lost, the loan will be forgiven. This is the second draw of relief loans after high demand for the initial allocation in the spring of 2020 caused the fund to run out. Gordon Fellows with the Mississippi Bankers Association says the second round of the program includes better fraud protection and opens the door to sole proprietor businesses. One of the differences between PPP 2020 and PPP 2021 um, is the SBA put in a number of new anti-fraud measures, um, which are designed to make sure, you know, only legal businesses get these loans. Um, uh, and, and that's a good thing. Um, but one of the sort of side impacts of that is there are a lot of what should be eligible borrowers that are getting caught up in these fraud mitigation measures. And so when when those measures kick in, uh, something called a hold code is issued by the SBA and it holds the loan from being processed through the SBA system until that code can be wiped away, until the SBA and the bank can verify that the loan applicant is indeed a legal and qualified entity. Has there Um, been fraud involved with this? Um, so the SBA office, the inspector general actually put out a report about two weeks ago and less than 1% of all the PPP loans made in 2020 were, were duplicate loans, meaning, you know, that one business got 
the, uh, the same loan from two different banks. So, you know, there, there, there have been some, some issues, right, that less than 1% in a, a, a program as big as this with as much you know, building in, in the midst of high-stress environment as this thing was built out in last spring. One um, percent is, is 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 pretty good, all things considered. So, but but it was an effort to improve it a little bit, you know. Um, and 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 I, and I commend the SBA for for taking those steps. To date, how many Mississippi businesses have received loans? In in twenty twenty one, thirty six thousand eight hundred and forty one loans have been made. Forty eight thousand in twenty twenty, thirty six thousand in twenty twenty one. What about the Monday money that's been expensed? How much money has been uh, given in these loans? In in twenty twenty one, so far in Mississippi, it, it's just under one point four billion dollars. Um, in twenty twenty, it was three point two billion dollars. So all in, we're we're looking at a four and a half billion um, in Mississippi. Um, and one thing that I think is really cool between 2020 and 2021, um, we have the, uh, we totaled it all up so far. We have the lowest average loan amount in the country, which means these loans are getting made to real, really small businesses, right? Um, a lot of two and three employee kind of shops. Um, and, and one thing that's really important here about this extension. Uh, that Congress just passed and the White House just signed is it, is it gives more time for sole proprietors and self-employed folks to work through um, some recent changes. So in in mid-March, um, SBA made some changes for sole proprietors to the loan amount calculation, um, which made the program much more beneficial for self-employed folks. Um, so that's a big deal in Mississippi. We have an awful lot of those. If someone got a loan in the first round, can they get a loan in this round? Yes. So when, when they turned the program back on, um, they created a second draw loan option. So if you're a, a small business and you got a first draw loan in 2020, you could come back in, in this calendar year and, and, and get a second draw. Um, you had to, to qualify for a second draw. You had to be able to show – 25% reduction in revenue in you know, quarter over quarter, 2019 quarter compared to a 2020 quarter. Um, and so some businesses, you know, as they're going through preparing for their taxes, are kind of figuring out if they're right on that bubble, whether or not they qualify. And so, you know, I think that ex- this extension uh, is going to be helpful for those sort of bubble businesses too, that may have, may have lost 24% revenue, you know, or 26, as they sort of figure out kind of if, if they qualify for the second draw based on their revenue loss, um, uh, kind of preparing their taxes, particularly if they're small and, and you know, all that sort of goes into that, um, this extension could be pretty beneficial to them. So even if a business is back up and running, all the employees are back, but they're not earning up to potential, they're eligible for these loans? That, that's right. It, 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 it's it's dependent on how much you lost in 2020, right? So if you if you have a quarter in 2020 that is 25% reduced over the quarter, the same quarter in 2019, then you qualify for a second draw. Now, uh, answer this. If someone got a loan in the first draw and now they're doing it again, will they get less money than if someone is applying for a loan for the first time because they've already received money in the first draw? <laughs> 
No, so that that doesn't have an impact on it. Theoretically, um, there are a, a fair amount of borrowers in Mississippi um, that that could actually see an increase in, in how much they got from 2020 to 2021. That that's mostly for sole proprietor Schedule C filers, and also small farmer Schedule F filers. So we, we've we've seen a lot more loans to small farmers uh, and to self-employed people um, this go round than we did in 2020. What is the deadline? for this so the extension that was enacted last week extends the program until the end of may and then it gives the sba another 30 days to work through hold codes that still exist in the end of may um but um the we'll have to track how much money is left in the program too they they congress passed an extension but they didn't put any additional money in the program, which I, I think was a sensible approach, right? I mean, I think we are we are every day getting a little closer to economic normalcy. Um, and so kind of allowing the program to continue to operate, um, but with, with only with the funding that was, was passed, um, you know, in the last round made a lot of sense to me. So, so technically the program runs until you, you can get a loan until the end of May, um, but, you know, that is subject to fund availability. Uh, once once the funds run out, the funds run out. So it means you should do your application as soon as possible. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's not as it's not as urgent as it was in in March of 2020 um, when the program was opening, and we all kind of knew there wasn't going to be enough money to meet the demand. There's probably enough money to hit the, the national demand number here. Um, so I, I don't think I don't think if, if you're a a sole proprietor and you haven't applied yet, I don't think it's imperative that you go apply tomorrow, but you probably don't want to wait until the end of April either. Gordon Fellows is the president and CEO of the Mississippi Bankers Association. Gordon, thank you as always. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it. And by the way, PPP turned one this weekend, so happy birthday to PPP. (laughs) Right. Thanks for pointing that out. Coming up, in recognition of National Child Abuse Awareness Month, we examine the roots of the issue and how Mississippians can help. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Experts are concerned that many cases of child abuse in Mississippi are not being reported. Around 10,000 children in the state are victims of abuse each year, but not as many cases are being reported during the coronavirus pandemic. Mississippi's Child Protective Services Commissioner, Andrea Sanders, says more children are staying home because of the pandemic. She tells our Kobe Vance the drop is reported cases, the drop in reported cases is actually a cause for alarm. Child abuse is an issue that not just in Mississippi, but every state is um, unfortunately quite common. And, um, you know, right now we've seen a decrease in the number of reports that have come in over the past year which in and of itself sounds positive, but is actually alarming. Um, We know that children have not been in school 
and they have not been in their pediatrician's offices for wellness visits. And so, you know, the thing that those of us who've worked in this field a long time know that uh, it doesn't mean that child abuse has decreased. It, it uh, means that it has gone unnoticed during this time. And so we are gearing up and, and getting ready because we know that we will see an increase in reports um, as children get back under um, outside eyes. Uh, we still see, um, we do approximately uh, 2,000 investigations a month. And um, so, it, it, you know, there's a high prevalence of, of child abuse in, uh, in Mississippi and every other state. Now, you said the reporting is down, but do you have concerns that uh, as children have been home more often for the past year, that uh, abuse might go up? Absolutely. I think the, the abuse is still occurring. It is a... Um, systemic issue that's, uh, you know, fueled by um, stressors in families. It's fueled by generational uh, habits that are passed down. Um, and uh, so there's no reason to think that abuse has not occurred. And in fact, besides children not being um, under uh, outside eyes at this time, we know that stressors are at an all-time high for families right now. Um, my family included, you know, we've been through a very taxing past year and a half. Um, and so the, you know, it, it is safe to assume that, that child abuse is occurring probably at a higher rate than ever before. And that we will begin to see the effects of that um, as we come out from under the pandemic. So how can, uh, what, how can people help to uh, lower the rate of uh, child abuse? Is it uh, what can people do in their own homes? What can they do outside of their homes to, to help others? Uh, Mississippi has a mandatory reporting statute, and that's really an important part of protecting children. It's very important that when people think that abuse is possibly occurring, that they not try to determine for themselves whether or not it actually has occurred. It's important that they report that abuse to the hotline at Child Protection Services and that we let uh, social workers and experienced investigators go in and make a determination about whether abuse has occurred. Um, it's also important that uh, that people make those reports in good faith. Um, you know about the boy who cried wolf, using the reporting hotline to you know irritate your neighbor or get your sister-in-law back is an inappropriate use of the hotline, and it it leads to. Uh, decrease protection for children in the long run. But good faith reports, they're uh, shielded from liability in Mississippi, and um, that's the important gateway to get children into a system where they can be evaluated with uh, in a more detailed uh, professional manner. Is there any other thing that you might not have touched on yet, or we might not have touched on yet, that you still stands out as something of significance here in Mississippi when it comes to uh, child abuse? Yes, I think what's really significant is that um, child abuse occurs not in a vacuum. It occurs in families that are in crisis, um, and it is the ultimate symptom of a family in crisis that is not functioning well. And so I think that in Mississippi, we are all, it's been overwhelming to me to see how concerned Mississippians are about their children. Um, the way to help those children, the very best way, is to help stabilize those families. Mississippians can really help children 
by doing what we do best, which is um, banding together through philanthropy and faith-based communities and meeting needs of those families that are really hurting right now. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Um, people are afraid of this virus. And so, um, you know, leveraging that kind of support that we do very well is, is critical right now, I think, for children. Andrea Sanders is Director of Child Protective Services here in Mississippi. Andrea, thank you for talking with us today. Yeah, thank you. April is Child Abuse Awareness Month, and experts say it's mandatory to report any signs of abuse to law enforcement. Coming up, faith leaders respond to the new Georgia voting laws and comments made by a Mississippi senator. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Pastors in Mississippi are joining the national effort condemning comments by Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith against early voting on Sundays and rebutting Georgia's new voting laws. During a U.S. Senate hearing on a Democratic-sponsored bill to expand voting rights, lawmakers began discussing a recent law in Georgia that prevents early voting on Sunday. Senator Hyde-Smith responded in the discussion. Georgia's a southern state just like Mississippi. I cannot speak for Georgia, but I can speak for Mississippi on why we would never do that on a Sunday or hold an election on a Sunday. In God's word in Exodus 20:18, it says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In the past, Hyde Smith has held campaign events on Sundays and in January was sworn into office on a Sunday. Georgia's new voting laws prevents churches from participating souls to the polls, a practice steeped in the tradition of civil rights reform. After church, black congregations go to the polls together to cast their votes. Reverend Jeffrey Gladney of Red Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Tupelo says preventing Sunday voting is voter suppression. He tells our Kobe Vance he signed a petition along with more than 11,000 nationwide asking Hyde Smith to reverse her statements. Our church, which is in, in, in Tupelo and Lee County, we're very active in making sure that people get to the polls. I'm with the Get Out the Vote Coalition uh, with several groups that are, are intricately involved in making sure that people uh, get to the polls, making sure they're registered to vote. Uh, making sure that members know where their polling locations are. Uh, as a pastor, I believe that it is the church's duty to speak out on issues of importance, to have a voice in the community, to what we call theologically speak truth to power. And by doing that, we empower our members to be active um, in civic engagement, in the improvement of roads, their communities, uh, deciding mayors, councilmen, 
uh, infrastructure, all of that is involved in voting. And so we believe that voting encompasses uh, every area of our life. And when we don't vote, uh, people like Ms. Cindy Hyde-Smith gets in office and, and we have what we have now, uh, no representation in areas where we need it. And now nationally, there's been more of a conversation around expanding voting uh, voting times to Sundays. Right. I was curious, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think there needs to be souls to the polls. I think there needs to be uh, more uh, more open voting and more availability for people to be able to vote. You have uh, elderly, you have people who work. We're still uh, coming out of COVID. We're not all the way out of COVID. And so we still need to make it easier for people to vote. And the reason why Souls to the Polls was attacked because of the number of Democrats, the number of brown and black people, and the number of churches that were getting involved in taking their members to the polls and making it something that was vested. And, of course, Republicans were losing out when the uh, voting process was open to everyone and fair to everyone. And so voting should be fair. It should be fun, and it should be open to everyone. And I also wanted to ask uh, more specifically about uh, Senator Hyde-Smith's comments. She mentioned that, uh, well, she spoke as if she was speaking for the majority of Christians in, here, here in Mississippi. Um, as a, as yeah, a Christian yourself, appalling. I was sorry. Yeah, that's appalling. I think that she cares about the least of these when those who went as insurrectionists and tried to overthrow our government, overturn an election, and she supported that. It's, it's, it's shameful. No no Christian, no one who really loves the Lord and and um, supports those that are in oppression would, would vote in those manners and speak in, in such a way. We have to love the Lord and love our neighbor as well. And uh, if voting was expanded, um let's say possibly in the future it could be expanded uh, either nationally or uh, here in Mississippi to Sunday. Uh, what do you think that could do uh, for, for... It would for, empower for... us. It would empower us. And then we can get elected officials in that really truly care about people. Uh, we can get elected officials with our collective voting efforts across the state of Mississippi. It would greatly help, especially black and brown communities, uh, because people who work throughout the week and and uh, those who can't get to the polls on time, they'll be able to go on Sunday. And then pastors around the state can, can preach on voting and be at liberty to use their church vans to take people and make it exciting. And it would only empower our state, which we're last in almost everything, in every category. And this would only empower us and, and move us up from last, from worst to first, and help us be a stronger state, I feel. Last thing I wanted to ask is there's there's some people who have been saying that there needs to be that separation of um, of using uh, religious ideals to push political agenda. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. This this country was founded using religious ideals to oppress uh, people with slavery and using the Bible to uh, support slavery. And so the church and state can't be separated because we ha- we don't have reparations. We weren't. Uh, those things were never amended for. And so uh, you can't separate church and state when it comes to justice and oppression because Jesus was always, God was always on the side of the oppressed. And that's what James Cone said. God is always on the side of the oppressed and those who uh, have been pushed down and held down. 
And God fights for those who fight for themselves. And so church and state can't be separated because we're using rules for the state to separate the church. And, and the church is in the community, and we're empowered by our state. And this is not a separation issue. Voting is a right, and it should be a right for everybody. And it's a fairness issue, not a separation issue. Those are stall tactics, and those are people who are in power, who don't want to give up their power. But there's a day of reckoning coming. There's a day of justice coming. And, and uh, there's a day of fairness that's coming. Reverend Dr. Jeffrey Gladney is pastor at Red Oak Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Tupelo. Uh, Reverend Gladney, thank you. thank you for your time. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.